covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. For those of you who wait late Sunday night, early Monday morning for this podcast to come out, I don't know if there's any of you out there, but if you are, we're a little bit later than normal getting the podcast out. That's because the Brewers played on Sunday night baseball this week. They knock off the Phillies by a one nothing score. They end up taking two of three in that series. And overall, they have won six of their last seven going into their Monday single game matchup against the San Francisco Giants. But they also continue to be a mostly flawed offensive club. More about that coming up in just a moment. First off, our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a ranking and review, subscribe to the podcast. That helps out with the algorithm and everything and more people are able to find the podcast. And that's good. We want people listening, right? If we're going to do it, we hope as many people as possible uh, do listen on an every week basis. Uh, not only can you get this podcast, but if you're on this podcast channel, you see that our uh, postgame shows and also our highlight segments from the postgame shows are all posted here uh, on this uh, podcast channel. So appreciate everybody supporting uh, this channel and listening in on uh, not just an every week basis, but uh, an every day basis. Kyle Loebner is our our featured guest this week, a uh, frequent visitor here to Brewers Externings, the podcast, as he's going to uh, join us in just a few moments. He's part of the content team uh, with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and uh, also you can uh, read him in the Shepherd Express along with a number of other places. So Kyle's going to be joining us here in just a few moments. Just a little note for you on that. We recorded the podcast with Kyle uh, prior to uh, the Sunday Nighter, so we when that conversation was actually taking place we did not know that the brewers were going to win that one nothing game against philadelphia and that's kind of the jumping off place for me this week on the podcast because the team continues to be really challenged offensively especially in their losses and of course you're always going to score not always but generally speaking you are going to score more runs in games you win than games you lose but the difference between what the Brewers do in their wins and what they do in their losses has been uh, quite significant here, and even more so prior to Sunday night's game. Sunday night's game was the first time the Brewers had won a game this year while scoring less than four runs. They had scored at least four and uh, generally five runs or so, five or six runs in uh, all of their wins until Sunday night in their losses uh, they mostly score no runs, one run, or two runs. In fact, uh, since opening day, that day uh, in Chicago, a game that they lost by a 5-4 score, since then, in all of their losses, they have scored no runs, one run, or two runs, and they have scored one or no runs in all but one of those games. That first matchup against the Philadelphia Phillies was a game that they lost by a 4-2 score, and that was the first time that they had scored more than one run in a loss since opening day. So it's they're just not scoring runs. Now, offense across Major League Baseball is down. I think this is something that we need to remember, and it's something I tell myself. Because I hear from people who are very frustrated with what this club is doing from an offensive standpoint, and there are certainly some areas. You know, even, even when we look at them from a comparative standpoint and not just from a raw standpoint, I 
And what I mean by that is, so you look at their strikeout numbers. The raw strikeout numbers look really bad. But then when you go compare them to what everybody else is doing in Major League Baseball, they're kind of middle of the pack. So you can assess a team based off the raw numbers and what you think they should be doing, or you can assess them based off kind of where they are ranked across Major League Baseball on where things are going. And there are some areas where the Brewers are very much a struggling unit and do not compare well to the rest of Major League Baseball. Their 204 team batting average, not good. The number of runs scored. There's some some other areas. There's also some areas where they're they're at least middle of the pack, uh, even though the numbers are not especially good. So it's just it's hard for me, and I, I, I said this last week and the week before, and I might keep saying it probably up until just about the time we reach June. It's really hard to make these wide-ranging, all-encompassing, this-is-who-they-are kind of statements when the sample size is so tiny. Uh, and they're winning games. Like That's the most important thing here. They're not scoring runs in many games, uh, but you know their, their overall offensive numbers across the board are not great. They are the only team in Major League Baseball with a negative run differential and a and an above 500 record. And it's not like they're just barely above 500. They've got they've got a legitimate record. So the run scoring's not there. You're hopeful that it is going to be there. You're hopeful that we can say that across Major League Baseball because I love pitchers duels and actually i i think on sunday night like in that one nothing game eric lauer was really pitching well and aaron nola was really pitching well now they did get some help from home plate umpire angel hernandez who had quite the strike zone and he uh, widened that thing out for for both teams uh but that to me that was a like those are two really good pitchers nola's really good lauer's really good that was a legitimate pitching duel with two guys performing at a really high level. That's not bad for baseball. That's good for baseball. What's bad for baseball is when you got above average guys, not great guys, not guys who are pitching spectacularly well, guys who are just kind of above average going out there and throwing six, seven innings of scoreless baseball or one-run baseball or even two-run baseball. That's where that's where baseball has its issue. You're you're never going to hate on a one nothing game, which is a legitimate pitcher's duel. But when when you don't have guys out performing out there at a really high level from a pitching standpoint, and it still kind of looks like that, that's not good. That's not good for baseball. And that's why they're figuring things out, and that's why the rule changes are going to be coming in. And look, I I don't know what they can do. I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem for growing the game. The most excited. Actually, I would say this. I think. Two of the most exciting things that can happen in baseball. First off, I don't know if there is a more exciting play than an outfielder bringing back a home run ball. That might be the single most exciting thing that happens in baseball. But the other thing, that what's missing from the game are rallies where there's a lot of action, there's a lot of hits in the inning, where things are being manufactured, and that just can't happen in today's baseball. Pitching is too good. And let's be clear, like we're not going to go down the bunting conversation in this podcast, and I think most people who are listening to this podcast probably understand what I'm about to say. What I just described, the rallies and the hits and the manufacturing of runs and things like that, it's, it isn't that it doesn't exist because teams are not trying to do it. It doesn't exist because teams can't do it 
against today's pitching. And that's a that's an important distinction between the two. And I don't know what Major League Baseball can do to it's not so much about just in you know it's not like they want more home runs because right now, I mean, there's a fair amount of home runs, although the ball's not flying as much this year. But they, I don't think they like the number of home runs that uh, that were being hit when they deadened the baseball after a few years ago. It's not so much about adding offense in terms of adding runs scored via more home runs. It's about adding action to the game. And really, home runs are not action. Home runs are momentary burst of of something of run scoring but it's not continued action so that's the look that's the that's the biggest problem the baseball has right now as far as i'm concerned um on field now there's some off field issues uh that they certainly still need to continue to work through see the oakland a's and the cincinnati reds and the products that they're putting on the field and some of the statements that are being made both by saying things and other statements that are being made by doing things. And yeah, there's some off-field issues there. But uh, in terms of the on-field issues, it's it's providing more action in the game. And uh, the, the shift's going to be banned, I think. That's going to be something that I, I, I would bet it's going to happen next season. Is that going to help a little bit? Are a few more hits going to get through? Yeah. Is it going to make a huge difference? I doubt it. We'll see how, how it all plays out. You know, the pitch clock is going to be put in. That's at least going to make games have a little bit more of a pace to them. So that that's good. If a, if a move if a game is moving quickly, maybe it feels like there's more action in it when they're at, when there's not, but ah, it's just it's it, we've been talking about this for years now, years. And I'll give baseball credit. They're trying to do something, but I don't know what they're going to be able to do. But yeah, the Brewers, they're not scoring runs. Nobody in baseball is scoring runs. I don't know how real it is. There are some numbers that are alarming. Christian Yelich just isn't hitting yet. He's hitting the ball hard. There's a lot made. In fact, we're going to reference this with uh, Kyle Loebner coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Kyle, uh, Mike uh, Petrilio put, uh, put put together um, a, a really nice article that he wrote this past week at MLB.com that locked into some of Christian Yelich's hard-hit numbers. If you watch the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast on ESPN, they jumped all over that. Uh, it, was, it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. So... Um, We'll touch on that a little bit. He's hitting the ball hard, but he's hitting the ground. He's not getting hits. Uh, Colton Wong has had a tough start to his season as he's just not yet hitting. Wong is uh, sitting, as we record this, late Sunday night into early Monday morning. Wong hitting 170. Christian Yelich, 192. Willie Adamas is hitting 190. Even a guy like Rowdy Telez, who is carrying this team offensively in the first week of the season, his batting average is down to 213. Now he still leads the team in home runs, leads the team in RBIs. Hunter Renfro is hitting 245, but that's largely because he had three hits in one game in that second game of the series against the Phillies. It's just it's hard to find an offensive player on this team that's doing what you expected them to do. And that's not good. That's not good at this point. I, I get maybe the one exception to that is actually a guy who joined the team kind of late and Victor Caratini in his seven games, he's in 278 has a home run, has an RBI is a nine Oh nine OPS. You can, from a, not a raw standpoint because he's played in, about half the team's games, but from an overall standpoint, you can make the make the argument that Victor Caratini has been the best offensive player for the Brewers this year. His two seventy eight batting average is the best 
Then you have Andrew McCutcheon at 255. He's obviously been uh, a contributor. I think he's he's been a big part of what this team has done. And then you have Hunter Renfro, 245. But again, Renfro has 13 hits. Three of them came in one game. So about a quarter of his hits came uh, in, in one single game. So I'm not trying to sit here and denigrate. We can go up and down the lineup. Not having Luis Urias is hurt. Uh, he is playing in rehab games. He's got into uh he's at double a biloxi so that is certainly good to see uh brewers winning games without scoring runs pitching has just been better than what you thought it was going to be and you thought it was going to be fantastic right like eric lauer i it's so much fun to watch this guy pitch and i was you could go back to the podcast last year when he was pitching you you can sit here and make the argument about where he ranks among brewers pitchers really from the second half of last season on he's been right there his numbers right there with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and, and Freddie Peralta in some ways you can say uh he's been better than some of those guys. It's been so much fun to watch him evolve as a pitcher. He's added velocity to his fastball. He's throwing uh, more pitches for strikes. It's just uh, it's fun to watch. And this group of five in the rotation right now is incredible, just incredible how good these guys are and how they, they give you a chance to win every single night, even on a night like Sunday night where you have one hit through the first eight innings and can only collect one run on three hits you still find a way to win that game. All right, uh, that's it for uh, just listening to me talk. Let's listen to uh, Kyle Lobner a little bit. He is our featured guest this week, so let's get to the conversation. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Journeys, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to uh, welcome this guy back onto the podcast. He is uh, Kyle Loebner. He's part of the uh, content creation team with uh, the Timber Rattlers. He uh, covers the Brewers, uh, writing for the Shepherd Express. Does a few other things as well that we will get into uh, over the course of uh, our conversation. Follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLobner, K-Y-L-E-L-O-B-N-E-R. Kyle, thanks so much for uh, taking the time as always. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am good. Um, we'll, we'll tell folks that uh, we are recording this conversation uh, before we know the result of the Brewers' Sunday night game. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. But not, not a whole lot of uh, talk about that individual game. Wanted to get your take on something, though, because one of the big kind of talking points leading into the Sunday night game uh, has been... Christian Yelich and some of his hard hit numbers. Mike Patrell wrote wrote about it at MLB.com, and then uh, ESPN picked up on those numbers. I talked about them on my pregame show uh, on Sunday. Just the fact that he continues to hit the ball really, really, really hard, but he seems to be hitting a lot of those into the ground, and it's not resulting in certainly hits. His batting average is still a, kind of a struggling place. We've talked so much about the guy over the last you know two and a half years, but what do you make of all of a sudden now so much attention on? On these hard hit numbers, but it not really resulting in him collecting more hits. Well, I think there's you know good news and bad news to take away from it, and I think that was kind of the, the conclusion of Mike Petriello's piece that you mentioned. Um, is that you know it's not that Christian Yelich isn't getting pitches to hit, and it's not that he's not able to square them up. Um, it is just a, an issue of the the type of contact he is making, um, which on the surface seems like it should be a fixable thing um with that said two and a half years into it it hasn't been fixed yet and so i think there's probably some reason for concern there 
But at a bare minimum, you know, I, I think when you look at someone who had kind of a, the precipitous decline uh, that Yelich has had really since his 2019 season, um, you know, what the first thing you look for is indications that something might be wrong physically or that, you know, something may have changed dramatically, and that just doesn't appear to be the case. And so at a bare minimum, it's better news than if, for example, he had a back injury that was limiting him or something like that. Um, but it is a, a question that the Brewers probably need to solve to really reach their potential this season. And two and a half years into it, they haven't found the solution to it yet. Yeah, he linked uh, or quote tweeted inside of that piece. Petrilla did uh, just a clip from uh, MLB Network where Mark DeRosa took one of his swings from either 2018 or 2019, one of his swings from either 2020 or 2021, and then the home run swing, the grand slam swing here recently, and compared the three, uh, you can't see any difference really in, in the three swings. And those are, it, it's, it, it's got to be incredibly confounding for everybody involved where even when you're breaking down the swing, you can't find a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it, there's no, there's no clear understanding of what exactly is wrong here. Um, and, and that's, you know, if there was and it had been two and a half years and nobody had solved it, that would be alarming too. Um, but it is just a, a case of, you know, perhaps some bad luck, perhaps some of, you know, pitchers figuring out how to approach him differently than they had been and maybe that making a difference. But at the end of the day, um, I, it, it seems like at a bare minimum there are going to be stretches where Christian Yelich can look like the Christian Yelich of old, um, if, not for the, if not the possibility that he entirely figures it out and come bounces back. Your uh, your most recent piece uh, at at Shepherd Express got into the offense a little bit and, and what what they've been doing or maybe what they have not been doing. It's so hard in the first I think first two months of the season. I I don't think numbers mean a whole lot until we start uh, approaching the month of June. I know people don't like to hear that, uh, but offensively, in many ways, the team has started the season, especially in games that they've lost. They've started the season looking somewhat similar to the way uh, they looked. Um, at the end of last season, it obviously got better during the Pirates series. Uh, it was good one, in one inning in that second game against the Phillies, clearly not great in that first uh, game. But uh, what, what was your general takeaway, and what, what can we actually take that has substance to it here early on in the season? Well, I think that the biggest thing that, that leads to concern over these first couple of weeks is just that it looks familiar. Yeah. Um, that some of the same things that the Brewers are struggling to do right now are the same things they struggled to do through a, a big chunk of last season um, and, and what ultimately sunk their season. So I, I think, you know, while it's, it certainly would be foolish to draw a conclusion based on two weeks of the season, um, I do think you can look at this with a sense of, boy, this, this looks kind of familiar, um, and, and start to worry from that perspective, just because at that point the sample size does become a fair amount larger. Um, now, with that said, as I covered in the piece, there are – you know, some things in the analytics that it looks like they are doing better than they did a year ago. Um, and so, you know, there's some reason to believe that they've experienced some poor luck the first couple weeks, that they've experienced some bad timing, and that some of those things might even out over time. Uh, but the other problem, um, the other challenge that they need to overcome is the fact that these first few weeks, it is not a situation where they've been getting beat by good pitching. Uh, the, these teams that they've faced, the first few weeks of the season pretty universally are teams that are projected to be, 
you know, kind of in the bottom half of the league, if not in overall standings, at the very least in their pitching. Um, and so when you see the Brewers struggle against, you know, teams that weren't projected to be very good, um, when you face that many teams that are having a rough season this early, that means your schedule is going to get tougher as the year goes along. So if they can't iron this out for whichever reason, and again, they maybe and perhaps probably will, um, but if they can't iron this out, it's going to get tougher before it gets easier because they're going to have a, a schedule that's backloaded with teams that are much better than the teams they're facing right now. You mentioned the strikeout numbers, and the strikeout numbers from a raw perspective are not good. The strikeout numbers from a comparative perspective, it's a little bit better. Everybody seemingly is striking out a ton early on in the season, and the Brewers are kind of middle of the pack when it comes to uh, their, their total strikeouts to get things going. We've talked in recent years that the the negativity around strikeouts has been mitigated a little bit, but there's also clearly a line that you don't want to cross where you strike out too much, and it does feel like the Brewers have have crossed that line at times in the re, in recent years. How how big of a deal is the strikeout numbers at this point? You know, I, I think I think you're right on both counts. I think that. It's tough to uh, look at the Brewers' numbers in a vacuum and get concerned about their strikeouts because you need to remember that on a larger picture across the league, everyone is striking out more. Um, This isn't a case where the Brewers by themselves are struggling to do this. Uh, This is a case where pitching is better than it's ever been. Um, The ball has been deadened a little bit. Um, Hitters have it harder than they ever did before. Um, and so the fact that the Brewers are struggling is mirrored in the fact that an awful lot of teams strike out an awful lot most of the time. Uh, but with that said, you know, it, it's, still, it's still very difficult to be a team that relies very heavily offensively on walks and home runs. Because when you face other really good teams and other really good pitchers, they're going to be better at limiting that, um, and there's not a lot of other ways to score. Um, when you are a team that relies pretty heavily on walks to get on base and home runs to score runs. And so it would be nice if um, there was a little more diversity in the offense, um, at the very least to reliably carry the Brewers through, for example, uh, a West Coast road trip where you'll play a lot of games at night after the marine layer has come in and power hitting isn't going to be there. Or a day when you're facing a guy who really gets a lot of strikeouts and so you can kind of string things together a little bit. Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a struggle to balance between how do you score the most runs and how do you score runs when they matter. Um, and that's a question I think a lot of teams are struggling with. Yeah, it, it's interesting, too. Like some of their um, – I, I dove in recently on their numbers with runners in scoring position and, and their late and close numbers and things like that. And the, they actually – it feels like they're really struggling in those areas. And their numbers aren't great, but when you compare what they do just overall to what they do with runners in scoring position, they, they perform better with runners in scoring position. When I looked at the numbers, I think it was Saturday I looked at it, they had scored more late and close runs than any other team in, in Major League Baseball. So it's I think you're right when you talk about the, the situational aspect of it. And other than the late and close stat – it's sometimes really hard to look at numbers and then break them down into when these runs really matter. Well, and the other problem becomes confirmation bias. Um, in, in a sport that is a game of failure, you know, it, when, when the league is hitting 250 um, and a guy comes up with runners in scoring position, he's still going to make an out three-quarters of the time. 
Um, and, and when that happens, everyone's going to jump on, oh, the Brewers can't hit with runners in scoring position. Well, you know, the, the difference between being really good at it um, and being relatively poor at it might only be, you know, 40 to 60 points of batting average. Um, and that's one hit every 20 times or something along those lines. And so it's still going to, even when you're doing well with runners in scoring position, um, you're still going to fail a chunk of the time. Um, and when a team develops a reputation for that, it becomes hard to shed it. There has been a lot made of, of the way the ball's not traveling this year. Major League Baseball admitted when they changed up the baseball, either leading to last year or leading two years ago, I can't remember off the top of my head, that the ball was going to be deadened and uh, a ball that would generally travel around 375 feet might travel four or five feet less. But some of these numbers here in the early going make it seem like maybe it's traveling 15 or, or, or 20 feet less, which is even more significant. What do you make of the lack of travel so far on, on fly balls in Major League Baseball? I mean, I, I think the eye test kind of matches the, the numbers that you mentioned there, that it looks like there are baseballs that are hit much harder um, than the actual results would indicate. Um, that a, a ball that looks like it is just crushed off the bat and gets caught on the warning track um, just kind of confirms the notion that something is different, um, whatever it may be, atmospheric conditions or the humidors at ballparks or you know just pitchers that are doing a better job of limiting hard contact. It, it just doesn't seem to match up um, with the, the contact and the results. Now, with that said, um, we've talked before about how it would be really nice to have an administration in Major League Baseball that we trust to put their thumb on the scale um, without putting their thumb on the scale so heavily that it tilts the game in the wrong direction. Um, and right now it really seems like uh, Major League Baseball has made it harder to score runs at a time when pitching is better than it's ever been before. Um, and those two combinations, or those two things in combination, if they continue through the season, may lead to a real change. Um, in offensive numbers across the, the season, and may lead to some really low-scoring games. Yeah, I kind of wonder what they're trying to do because they obviously tried to get rid of sticky stuff, and, and that should increase uh, runs scored. And it had a little bit of an impact, but I don't think it had the major impact that that people thought it might. Now the baseball is deadened and one way to look at it is to say that they were trying to reduce home runs the other way to look at it is they're trying to make it harder to hit home runs to more incentivize teams to try to string hits together and that creates more action because I know baseball wants more action I want to see more action but it doesn't feel like it takes a weird logic for me to say okay well we're going to make home runs harder to hit so that's going to make teams want to string hits together well Pitching still has something to do about it, and no matter how tough it is to hit home runs, you're still probably that doesn't mean all of a sudden guys are going to be able to teams are going to be able to string hits together. Well, the, the previous conversation that we had falls perfectly into this about the strikeouts. It is harder than it has ever been to routinely make contact with a major league pitcher. Um, whether and that's the, that's true whether you're trying to hit a home run to right or whether you're trying to slap the ball to the opposite field. That ball is coming in faster than it's ever come in before. It's coming in with more movement than it's ever coming in with before. And it's coming in from a pitcher who has access to better technology to maximize the impact of those things than he's ever had before. Um, and so when you take away the primary source of offense across the league, I think from a, 
outside perspective, it's easy to say, oh, well, this will encourage guys to, you know, shorten up and make better or make weak contact and slap the ball the other way. Um, a, those guys are going to hit into outs a lot if they, if they manage to do that. But B, that's ignoring the fact that that's extremely difficult to do in the current pitching environment. And so really by removing one source of offense um, in a relatively drastic fashion, what baseball is doing is making sure that the pitcher has an even bigger advantage um, because these guys are now hoping to find mistakes and hoping to hit them. The mistakes that they find now aren't going to go as far, and it's really difficult to score runs the other way. Before I get you out of here, I want to talk about the Timber Rattlers uh, a little bit and also uh, your new role with the team, too, because you are doing something that is one of the more challenging uh, positions in all of baseball. You're working as the official scorer uh, for Timber Rattlers home games. What has that been like for you? That, that is not an easy job to do. Yeah, um, I had been uh, the game day stat stringer for the Timber Rattlers um, on game days for the last seven seasons. And so um, I've had an opportunity to, to sit and watch a lot of minor league baseball over that time. Um, and I had the opportunity to do that while sitting next to a really fantastic official scorer in Jay Grzynski, um, who, you know, was really great about collaborating on calls, um, you know, really good at explaining his logic, um, really helped me understand that role. Um, and so over the winter, when Jay decided to move on to a, another opportunity, um, I had the opportunity to slide over a seat and take that position um, on a, a full-time basis for the 2022 season. And it's been a, a really interesting experience. Um, I spend a lot more of my life than I used to uh, going back and looking at video to see if an outfielder caught a ball cleanly or if they bobbled a little bit on a ball that may have been a double or a triple. Um, or you know, trying to figure out a pass ball or a wild pitch. You know, stuff that I think most people think about for a moment and then let go has become a, a pretty big part of my life these last couple of weeks. Uh, so it's been a, a really fun experience, um, you know, getting to, to see the game from a different angle. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's, I spend a little more time stressing at the ballpark than I used to, interestingly enough. It's different when when I was uh, working actually in the Midwest League and even during my time in minor league baseball, the official scorers would hand deliver box scores to managers, and there could be some uh, unique conversations that would take place when managers were unhappy with the way uh, a, a, a you know play was scored. Has that been? Did I re- do I remember correctly? Has that aspect of it been removed by baseball? Uh, yeah, there, there's been kind of a, a slow but sure change in the way box scores are delivered to teams now. Um, and that it used to be, um, you know, until a couple of years ago, it was the box scores were delivered to, you know, minor league team personnel um, who then took it down to the manager. And if they would like to change it, um, they had to send the message back through kind of back channels. Um, actually, within the last couple of years now, it's changed so far that. The box scores are delivered to managers, but if they want changes, they're actually supposed to petition directly to the league to appeal. Um, now, I'm still, I still sit somewhere in the middle. I do accept input on calls because the goal is to get the call right. And so if somebody has a question about a call, I'm always willing to go back and look. Um, but, yeah, my direct um, – I haven't had anything that I would call a confrontation yet. It's more I've had you know, my direct conversations with folks about calls have been more along the lines of, hey, would you go look at this? Um, but I think with the understanding that if I don't make the call exactly the way they want it, there is still a, a second kind of appeal mechanism for them to try out to see if they can get the call they want. 
the baseball rule book is such an interesting rule book because it's so long. There are so many rules, and when you look at it in one way, it feels like they cover everything. But then you get to certain rules, and the language that they choose to use in rules is it can be very vague. And it's a it's a very interesting rule book. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's you know, no matter how many games you watch. Um, there is always the possibility for something to come up that you've never seen before. Um, I had a call on Tuesday of this week um, where a base runner was caught off base on a fly ball, um, but the defender was called for obstruction. Um, and it was a situation that I had just never dealt with before um, in terms of trying to figure out where you put that base runner back who was really advancing back because trying to return back to first base off a fly ball. And, you know, it seems like every day there's, there's a moment like that where it's like, you know, I've never thought about how this turns into um, the game's printed record before. Um, and you get, to, you get to learn a lot about the small intricacies of things in the rule book that I think folks, most folks will probably never see. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just from an on-field standpoint, man, timber rattlers, uh, they lose on Sunday, but they're off to a great start, 11-4. and four. It's been a lot of fun so far in Appleton. And it, it's not just that it's been a great start at 11-4, and four, but it's been a tremendously exciting run for this Timber Rattlers team who had won, well, they've played, I believe, nine one-run games in their first 15 contests. They've already had four walk-off wins. Um, they came into Sunday with a chance to sweep a six-game series against Quad Cities. Um, and had an extremely rough day. Uh, lost 18-1 to 1 on Sunday um, and kind of erased a little bit of the momentum from a big week. But this team has been really fun to watch. Um, there's some really great star power on this team. Uh, Sal Fralick is here, probably the number one prospect in the Brewers organization. Uh, Tyler Black, the Brewers' second pick from last year, is also here right now. Um, but just top to bottom, this lineup is extremely good right now. Um, and so that leads to a lot of fun innings and a lot of uh, kind of opportunities for unexpected guys to contribute. And this pitching staff has been extremely good. Um, and so it's been a lot of fun these last couple of weeks to, to get to watch them. And I'm really looking forward to a summer of it. How interesting has it been having a, uh, a different manager in charge uh, for the first time in a long time? Yeah, that first day when uh, we met him at media day, um, I was maybe more nervous than I've been going to the ballpark in a long time because – you know, so much of my work with the team is hinged upon the fact that Matt Erickson was just a, a fantastic guy to deal with um, and just uh, someone who I was really worried we would really miss here in Appleton. And, and I, I think uh, Joe Eralt has come in knowing that there's no way to replace, you know, the, the kind of local legend, the guy who played high school ball right here in Appleton, who's from the community, spent a decade here, you know, and really kind of carved his name all over the place at the ballpark. Um, but he's come in and been really great. Um, you can tell he runs a, a really loose clubhouse. Guys are really enjoying themselves. Um, but his guys get out there and they get after it. Um, and so, you know, Joe's been a, a real pleasure to work with these first few weeks of the year. I don't know that we could have asked for a better guy uh, to come in and replace Matt Erickson. He is Kyle Loebner. Follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner. Uh, he's got all kinds of content, uh, written audio uh, with the Timber Rattlers, their website, also writing for uh, the Shepherd Express uh, and what he does weekly uh, there. Kyle, thanks so much, as always, uh, for your time, and uh, we'll catch up again very, very soon. All right, sounds good. Take care.
Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that's just about going to do it for uh, this week's podcast. Once again, a reminder for you that the Brewers do have that one-off game against the Giants coming up uh, on Monday as that's going to be a 5-10 first pitch at American Family Field. I'm looking forward to the 5-10 game. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. Uh, the, the earlier the game, the better. Like, I understand why they do it with school being in session to school being out of session and everything. But when we get to that point of the summer where the game times change from 640 to 710 at home, it's like, ah, that's a, that's a half hour later. I like games being earlier. So everybody show up. Please, please, let's, let's sell out American Family Field for a 510 first pitch on Monday. And the Brewers can look at those numbers and say, hey, Maybe we should be starting games at 5.10. Let's do that. Because I'm an old guy now. All of a sudden, that doesn't want to... I get up at like 6 in the morning. That's part of it. All right. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't need to be complaining about how late games are going. It was I saw somebody tweet out uh, after the uh, NBA playoffs uh, wrapped up for the day on, uh, on Sunday about the TNT guys. It's not the NBA playoffs without those guys complaining about how uh, late games go. And here I am on the podcast complaining about games in July and August getting started at 7 o'clock. So 5-10 first pitch against San Francisco on Monday. Then they're back to the state of Pennsylvania for uh, three games at Pittsburgh Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 5.35 first pitch on Tuesday and Wednesday. 5.35, yeah, baby. And then uh, a morning game uh, on Thursday before they're back home for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend series against the Chicago Cubs. All right, uh, thanks so much to uh, Kyle Loebner for joining us on the podcast. Thanks to you for being tuned in. And we'll talk again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Needs, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.